Welcome to the Tom Bigby Tales. I'm your host, Shannon Evans, and today's episode is titled The Bloody Trail. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of the Tom Bigby Tales. While Season 2 will be focused more on the history and people of Columbus, it will still call out bad or questionable behavior by leadership and public figures and elected officials in Columbus and the rest of Lowndes County. It will also follow up on the CVB director as she ends her tenure at the CVB in March, as her replacement is hired, and as the director moves to the Columbus Cultural Heritage Foundation to be their new director. We will continue to demand transparency with the CVB and the foundation for the use of our tax dollars. We will not lose sight of our goal to demand accountability now and in the future. It is only thanks to our questions and your pressure in both the CVB board and the press that Carpenter will finally be replaced. Together, we can hold those in charge of our tax dollars accountable. A large research project on spending and the foundation is scheduled for next week on Tom Bigby Tales. Please stay tuned. But for now, let's get into today's episode. On Friday night slash Saturday morning, approximately between uh, midnight and 1 a.m., two women jumped a black man, excuse me, two women and four white men jumped a black man uh, who was about 50 years old for telling them to quit destroying the town's fall decorations across the road from the Trotter Center on the on 5th, allegedly. The bulk of the blood from the event was on the sidewalk between Main and 2nd North, but something does not add up with this, this description and this side of the story. Why would six people jump a 50-year-old man who told them to quit throwing pumpkin decorations? Why would that result in the beating of a man so badly he has a jaw broken in two places requiring surgery? a broken collarbone and shoulder injuries, and a serious concussion. I just don't buy it. I went downtown Tuesday, and the blood spatter was all over the sidewalk across from the trotter, and a single sizable stain was evident and concentrated in one place. But the story bothered me. I had heard through the rumor mill that the event started actually three blocks away at the Princess. But the pumpkins in question were between the art center and the businesses across from the trotter in that first block of First North. How did the princess tie in? I went to the princess and began walking back toward the trotter, those three blocks, looking for broken pumpkins, blood, etc. I found no pumpkins in those first two blocks, but I did find blood, quite a bit of blood starting at the princess doorway on its windows, and on its walls. I also noted a camera on 5th and 3rd South that should have picked up anything on that sidewalk in front of the princess. Even more interesting is the fisheye camera the princess has in its doorway. It seems like that film should already be in police hands, assuming the camera is in working order. But the city traffic light cameras should definitely have something to uh, assist in understanding what exactly happened and why there is a blood trail from that Princess Theater doorway, which is 
it's called the Princess Theater, but it's actually a bar out on the sidewalk and on their window, their windowsill, and on the marble, what we'll call baseboards under the window. It is also interesting that a woman working at the Princess uh, Tuesday tried to um, to claim that obvious coagulated blood on the baseboard and in the uh, tract of the window was beer. That's very interesting. But what else is interesting is the concerted effort by people on social media trying to pressure me not to include the princess as the site of the incident and its origins. If it's not, won't that camera footage show what, if anything, happened? If the incident started there, wouldn't the proprietor want to know and address the issue and prevent future similar issues? Maybe he's afraid of being sued or concerned about the look of such an incident right after getting a license to serve mixed drinks. Regardless, this was the site of some altercation and the trail of blood implies it started at the princess and the bleeding person came out the door and blood dropped on the windowsill and on the door sill on the map coming out the door, the entry wall, the sidewalk closest to the building, the northwest window, the windowsill, and down the baseboards. Blood spatter continues a few feet and then is not found again until just outside the WCBI building about 10 yards ahead. There is a bloody spot that is about three to three and a half inches in diameter on the brick sidewalk in front of the WCBI. There are a few drops in the street crossing over college and five to seven large quarter-sized drops in front of the old five and dime. Then there's more in front of Huck's and another three-inch blob in front of the old Pryor's building. A few more spots were scattered in front of the old Ruth's building. Crossing the road, and there are some more spatter, is found on the sidewalk which is getting which it then gets heavier and larger before arriving at the site where the young man or the gentleman was eventually taken to be treated at Baptist. It is clear this did not start at the site across from the Trotter Center. Someone in law enforcement needs to go all the way back to Third Avenue South and Fifth Street and pull the cameras on every cross street up to Second Avenue North. There is more to this story. And it requires more than a cursory examination. But let's look further into what we know about the victim and one of his assailants currently under arrest. The victim is a tall, beloved member of the Black community known for, known for volunteering and service to others. He is the stepson of Board of Supervisor member Jeff Smith. This is important to our story and investigation going forward. Hang with me a minute while I take you on a bird hunt. Brody Kaiser is the first person who's been arrested in the incident. Apparently, the chief of police feels certain two more arrests are close behind. But back to Kaiser. Kaiser comes from a well-to-do family with a booming concrete business. Brody is about 25, played football at a local county high school, and has a name for being a hothead and always itching to fight. He's a regular at the Princess, apparently. Brody's aunt is Allison Kaiser, a local judge. She became a Lowndes County judge in 2018. She had a law practice prior to her judgeship. 
Kaiser's nephew, Brody, has retained Tim Hudson as his attorney. Hudson is the attorney for the Board of Supervisors, the same board where the victim's stepfather, with whom he is, the, the victim is close to, is an elected official. Hudson, now with Sims and Sims as, their, as an attorney, once was in practice with Judge Kaiser. I believe that's correct if memory serves. But more importantly, Hudson has a daughter named Colleen Hudson, who is the assistant district attorney in the 16th Circuit Court. How can the daughter of the defense attorney for the arrested gentleman, how can she prosecute against her father's client? I see a conflict of interest, and that word doesn't even begin to address this mess. I hope the Parker Smith family gets justice in this case. However, I worry that this is not getting the scrutiny it deserves. One, will the police appear to be fixated on that space across from the Trotter Center, three blocks above where the blood trail begins? The owner of the princess has said no one has asked him any questions about the incident except myself, and no one has asked him about having that camera. Number two, what really happened at the princess, and why has the film not been pulled in the blood trail and the blood trail examined? I happily share my notes and my photos with law enforcement if they'd ask. I've already shared them with Supervisor Smith. Number three. Why were the Princess Keyboard Warriors so eager to avow nothing happened despite the blood trail photos? And they were vehemently so. Number four, is anyone else concerned about the extensive nepotistic conflict of interest in this case? Is the good old boy network so deep and pervasive no one else sees this or even questions it? Number five. Why did it take from Saturday until Tuesday before the news began to cover this issue and that news was only the TV station? Why has the dispatch still not run a single word on this event? Number six, is this a hate crime, as some members of the community are saying? What was the motivation and what caused it to go on for three city blocks? Why would Five or six adults jump one middle-aged man and beat him so badly over pumpkins? Why? I don't think that's the case. I think there's something more to this story, and we deserve to know. Where is the community outrage at the event, at the slow police response, and at the news lackadaisical work? Not exposing not only the event, but the clear case of conflict of interest. Crickets. When will Columbus stand up and demand better? Or is this just another case of a wealthy white kid who will pay a lot of money to make this all go away, like has happened over and over in the history of this town? If I were the Parker Smith family, I'd call a press conference and demand answers and accountability, and I would demand that the conflict of interest be addressed. The only way this type of behavior will be changed is if sunlight is shown on it to expose it. I hope you'll stand up with the Parker Smith family and demand some transparency. This is Shannon Evans and the Tom Bigby Tales.